1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 202 of the
0: Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan.
1: Hey, Sarah. So now episode 202 feels like advanced comp or something. It
0: does. Like now we're in (laughs) the second year of calculus, only (laughs) thankfully we are not. We are on a podcast and we are talking about spring. It's
1: spring. Does it feel like It is officially spring, and it's, um, well... Yesterday, it felt like spring. I know. This is the thing about spring in the Midwest. Yesterday, it felt like spring. Actually, you know what? Here's the thing, too. Your, your memory is it becomes very volatile during like this time. Like, the weather's
0: only as good as the last day it, to you. Exactly.
1: Like. Right. So, like, today I'm grumpy because it's, like, 42 and kind of rainy. I would have killed for that two weeks ago. Right. So... It's also relative. I guess I can't complain. It is
0: a time of seasonal transition. It is. Um, and we like to usually do an episode around the time of changing seasons and just talk about what that means for our families, our kids, our rituals and routines and traditions. And then um, I have Katie Addis on with me at the end of today's show, and we are talking about spring and Easter time books for kids. So it all ties together. Love a it. springy Easter bow. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> I think you scoffed at
1: me there. I, well, I, that was kind of a snort, a snort. <laughs> yes, um, you're like you're like the Easter bunny of cheer over there. I know. California. Well, we're going to get into
0: <laughs> like the weather differences in our spring. Definitely, it's not the same.
1: Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So, this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious.
0: Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning. And every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out.
1: Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet.
0: Okay, Megan, I'm going to dive right in. And we're going to talk about spring as it relates to a whole bunch of stuff. Easter, parenting, home decor. We got a lot to cover. Yeah, we do. Of of course, Katie's going to join me a little bit later. So let's just um, get, well, let's get to the obvious. Spring feels very different in the upper Midwest where you are and in Southern California. So if you, if somebody landed from another planet or they'd lived like in Antarctica their whole life and you had to describe what is spring, the weather of spring like where you are. What what is this like?
1: It is the ultimate tease. <laughs> I mean, it's sp- particularly this time of the year. I would say from like the last two weeks of March, pretty much through the first two to three weeks of April, you just never know what you're going to get. So it could swing back and forth between like the mid 30s, sometimes even occasional snowstorms. Still, so we've had some crazy snowstorms in April, although they do typically melt really fast. Um, And then you might have a day in the high 60s or even warmer. And unless you're obsessively checking your weather app, which I do, there Mm -hmm. doesn't really seem to be rhyme or reason. Like sometimes the weather drops, like the temps are dropping dramatically in one day and it's wet and muddy and kind of cruddy. But then every time the sun is out, people are just like going nuts, wearing t-shirts and putting their their sunroofs open and stuff like that, because we're so looking forward to the summer. And what I always find is that then it just feels like all of a sudden it's almost summer. Like when I'm not even looking We go from like that. What I love, my favorite spring weather is like those low 60s when it's sunny, but it's Mm -hmm. like not hot yet. And then suddenly overnight, it's like hot, and my garden is completely covered in weeds. I don't. I have not figured out yet like how to really milk that sweet spot. And I'd like to do that. Yeah, it's a fickle.
0: It's a fickle fickle. friend. I remember that from when I lived in Chicago. Okay, so here in Southern California, it is. It's not as obvious. It's not the classic storybook spring, and so you have to look maybe a little bit harder. But we do have seasonal changes. So. Um, the rain is pretty much over. I know a lot of places are rainy in the spring, but for us, rain is our winter. And we had a very rainy winter, for um, which was a good thing. So the rain is pretty much over. It'll rain in March, but it's, it's fewer and farther between. And so the days warm up. So most likely highs in the 60s. And we could see 70s, but 60s would be more common. Um, it's a subtle change. But it's so funny. The other day we were, I was boxing you and I was on a walk yeah. and you were like, oh my gosh, the birds. And I, I was so jealous <laughs> of your birds. So even though we, we have year round good weather, but there are still little things. And I don't, I don't know about the birds, like which ones are hatching or chirping, but they do all of a sudden start chirping more. I think so, it's a
1: mating thing too. When birds are like right. flipping out, making those like really like yeah. that intense chirping. And even this time of year here, I'll start to wake up to that. Like really yeah. just are going nuts outside yeah. my window but it doesn't happen every day especially it doesn't happen on rainy or overcast days as right much.
0: so yes I have been yeah. noticing the birds it's funny we have way fewer trees that do the the traditional like budding flowers but because there are so few of them I get really excited when I see them and it's kind of the same in fall we don't have a lot of like trees that change color in the in the traditional way. So what we do have of those, I get really excited to see. Um, and then in our yard, there are some bulb, I, is it perennials, annuals? What are the ones that pop up every perennials year? Perennials are the ones that come up every year. Okay. So some, and they're like the bulb kind where they hide underground and then they just pop yep. up. And what's funny is we didn't plant them. We've been in this house four and a half years and they predate us. So every time they do in the spring, it's like, a total surprise. You're like, and oh, those
1: again. They're like really haphazard.
0: Like maybe it made sense oh. where they planted them at one point, but now it's like, there's a few over here. There's some lilies over here, well, but that's some probably
1: of, died. You know what I mean? Or yes. got pulled out or whatever. So it's just kind of sporadic. I've yes, had that happen. It is totally yeah, well. just
0: surprises, but that does feel like spring too. There's even some calla lilies, which I would never have known could grow here. And they don't, they pop up and then they bloom and then they're done. It's real quick, yep. but a very springy. So, okay. Next question. Let's talk about spring break. This episode is coming out on both of our spring breaks. Although all over the country, I think spring break can be anywhere from early March to all the way up to when Easter is, which this year is very, quite a bit later in April. Um, but for us, coincidentally, it's the same first week of April. So what does spring break look like in your, in your community, like in your neck of the woods in general? And then what are you up to this week? You want to go first on this one? Okay. I'll go first. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, We don't have the need to go to warm, sunny beaches. So, I mean, maybe you have some families going to Mexico or something like that, but not as common as you would in places like where you live, Megan, where like you have to escape. So we don't have a lot of that. You do see people still skiing because if we've had a wet winter, there is still plenty of snow um, up in the mountains, especially if it hasn't warmed up yet. So you do get people who go skiing or maybe camping or something like that. A lot of people stick around. That's when I've been talking to my friends and neighbors a lot of people are sticking around this week. Um, this, we, You and I were talking about how it doesn't coincide with Easter this year, so it's just kind of a week off in the spring, and I think the weather will be decent. It's not going to be super warm here. Um, my family and I are driving to the Phoenix area where we used to live to catch up with some of our old friends there. We won't be gone the whole week, but about four days. Um, And then actually Allegra gets to go on a solo trip back east to the DC area with my Um, mom. They're going to do some of the historical sites like um, Colonial Williamsburg and Mount Vernon and stuff like that. So we tacked that on. So yeah, a little bit of travel, but we don't always travel. If we do, it might be just real close by. So yeah. How about you?
1: Um, It's like a ghost town (laughs) here. I mean, I, a lot of my friends are teachers or married to teachers and also it's cold, you know, it's cruddy weather. So people want to get away. So basically if you have any excuse to leave, you typically do. Um, I have never really been a big spring breaker for whatever reason. It just never has been a time of year that's really worked out for us to travel a lot. Um, so this year I'm one of very few families I know who's sticking around or we are, but like, I, I also feel like I usually am like, I, we've always done like an overnighter or something, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll go get a, a hotel with a pool or something like yeah. that but like we don't typically go anywhere so maybe you'll
0: get like 75 degree weather and all the people you know it could live. have it's
1: gonna be it's not gonna be that but it's gonna be pretty nice oh, and uh, here like a lot of people go to florida is kind of the perennial favorite a lot of people are going to alabama these days um, really yeah i don't know it's like the gulf shores i think it's called a lot it just seems to have become very popular okay it's like, well maybe it's just because now there's facebook so you know what's popular yeah. i don't think i knew before but you see groups of like people popping up in the same place mm. And then but some people just take road trips like my brother and his family are on their way to North Carolina right now to stay stay in the mountains. Um, I thought about going for a hot second, but honestly, I didn't want to spend the money. And I'm also it's kind of nice sometimes to have the town quiet and like. I have a quiet week. I have projects yeah. I can dig in on. You're gone. Like yeah. I feel like I can. There won't be a lot of distraction, and I can just get maybe get some household projects and stuff like that done. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. Well, that is a perfect segue into
0: my next question. Ooh. So let's. Ooh, it talk is. About- I didn't
1: even know that.
0: <laughs> let's talk about this idea of spring cleaning. I mean. Growing up in California, living in Arizona, I've never lived somewhere really where I I had that like metaphorical, like let's air out the mattresses and like open up the windows. But of course this time of year does come with projects. So do you have any, like, do you have anything that you like to do every year or anything that's kind of burning at the top of your list this year?
1: Um, I, my windows could really use some cleaning. Like I don't, clean the outsides of them but I like know. they're Mine the glasses cruddy yeah. um i have to do the seasonal clothing change soon but it's a little too early so what i'll probably do the prep like the going through getting rid of stuff taking it to goodwill or whatever and then like looking through my closets but not necessarily like actually doing the swap that right. probably won't be for another month or so um or I'll just kind of have the bin that has the other season of clothes like in my room as a staging, like yeah, available have have at any like, moment.
0: One foot in each season. Exactly. Hey, that's yeah. a good, I want to interrupt real quick. And we have a yeah. super detailed blog post about how you handled seasonal clothing swaps when your kids were younger, like when you yeah. had four boys all in a row. I know it's different now as your kids have gotten older, but I'll link that up in the show notes. And it's on our blog at the momhour.com. And if you want to just totally nerd out on Megan's system that she it used was for quite, years. It was
1: quite a system. It's it's definitely simplified now. Yeah. Um, But yeah, for a long time, it worked for us for many years. Um, Yeah. And I also like we have a closet that has I call it the fun closet. It has like all of our outdoorsy stuff, our camping stuff. I really want to pull that all apart, see what I've got, organize it all. Um, The porch and yard need to get cleaned up, but it's too early for that early. Like, maybe another month. Like I could start working on that. But right now it's just going to be mucky and gross for a while anyway. So no one's going to be hanging out outside. What about you?
0: Well, I feel like our garage, this is not a spring thing. This is just a season of life, like every couple of months. Our garage is, it, it's got the bones to be well organized. It's a three car garage that we park one car in. Although I don't know anybody who parks even two. It's like a really, really narrow three car garage. I was going to say that is a It's like, like, a, two that and feels a, half. like a two and a half yeah. to me. Yeah. And it's even hard to get two. So people around here, because uh, yards are really small, So people tend to use their garage almost as like a rec room or like, you know, extra storage, all that. So we, you know, when we can get it together, our garage is pretty well organized. We don't hoard a lot of stuff. We're good about getting rid of stuff, but it just becomes a dumping ground. Like we talked um, in a listener questions episode kind of recently about... Um, what do you call that? The drop zone where kids, you know, put their backpacks in because we've had a really rainy winter. There's like, you know, there's rain boots and umbrellas that we've needed every few days. And they're just kind of haphazard. So like the garage just needs, it just needs a session and it gets a session every couple of months and we kind of get things back to where it should be but then life creeps in. So I'm definitely looking yeah. forward to that probably when we get back from our Arizona trip. Um it doesn't it takes half a day, but it feels so good to have it done. And then um our backyard is small but we have patio furniture and it does always feel really good. I love to hose down the cushions and then let them like on a really sunny day and just let them like kind of bake in the sun yeah. and really like have all that yucky leaves and dirt mm-hmm. and stuff and so that we can sit outside, which it is a really nice backyard for sitting outside. Um, and then we do like to garden a little bit. Brian just planted some, it's early enough or it's warm enough to plant here. So he planted some tomatoes and peppers and he kind of handles all of that. And the girls actually wanted to plant some flowers. So I made the I made them not research, but I made them pay attention to how much sun the patch gets where they wanted oh, to plant because yeah. I was like I'm not going to spend money on plants that need full sun. We have a pretty like a shady patch back there. And so they kind of did the research and then went to Home Depot or went to a nursery actually. And so we did a little bit of planting. So that's fun too.
1: That's fun. I need to do the same thing because we're in a different, you know, we moved into this house just about the same time last year. Right. And I was still unpacking, like I didn't bother to plant yeah. anything at all last year, except for some containers. So now I really have to keep an eye on the yard and see, you know, what the light patterns are yeah, like. So I, it's a big difference.
0: I like it. It's, I'm at like this stage where I would have said five years ago, like, there's no way I can care about keeping anything right. else alive, indoor, outdoor. Um, but now I'm not gonna say I'm gonna become a major gardener but it is it is fun to see like oh how's that little thing doing and you know there's
1: a reason why it's like a retired person's hobby (laughs) you know what I mean it's it's time consuming and it's really hard to do when you have kids and pets and everything yeah and
0: I think if you see a little bit of success just like cooking or baking or anything else like if you if you're like oh my gosh I did that and it it didn't fail and then it's like I want to do a little bit more so yeah yep um okay so what about inside your home are there any like prints or scents or or home decor things that make you think of spring or that you look forward to you know, busting out this time of year.
1: Well, I always pull out the my my like lighter floraled um, or brighter print tablecloths. You okay. see the table right when you walk in, so that makes a big difference. I tend to swap out my candles. I have like a lot of warm scents in the winter, and mm-hmm. now I'll bring out like the light florals and citrus. Um, and let's see. Oh, I love like I love when I'm at the grocery store and I just happen to see a potted plant or cut flowers. I'll just mm-hmm. buy whatever. I'm kind yeah. of an equal opportunity. Um, you know you were talking about the lilies popping up around here we also get tons of tulips yeah and they come and then they they go away so fast so i've taken to like if they pop up in my yard i cut them and bring them in because they'll be gone like i used to be like i don't want to take them out of the yard they you know i want to enjoy them in the yard but they're gone so quickly so um and i think tomorrow i'm actually going to go to tj maxx because in this house i don't have a lot of like Open space to put stuff on, but I have several empty windowsills that really could use something springy. So yeah. TJ Maxx has great, like stuff a little like, bird or a little yeah, bunny, like a, yeah, I bird love or something kind like that. Yeah, like little. Yeah,
0: so it's funny you say candles because after the holiday scents, I feel like I didn't have any candles. So I, I have a couple candles that are really springy that I've been kind of burning since January, anyway. Yeah, um, and I, w- I when I smell them, I'm like, this is so like spring, summer, but I didn't have anything else after Christmas. Um, I do love a good scented candle. I love cutting little clippings of anything that's growing in the yard. I mean, not even really nice roses or flowers or anything, but whatever I can find that looks pretty and putting it in like a really mini Mason jar and putting it on my windowsill. I love that. I love the daffodils from Trader Joe's. They're really cheap and -hmm. they last all week. They're like $1.99 for a bunch. And again, you can get a little kind of petite bouquet and they, they start all closed up and then they bloom. Um, so, yeah, it's just the little things. Oh, jasmine. Also, I love the smell of jasmine. That just reminds me of growing up in California. And mm. we have some in both the front and backyard. I think it has to get a little warmer for the jasmine to start to be really fragrant. But the smell is just like straight up.
1: I don't know that jasmine is something we that grows here. I don't think it I, is. I can't say that I've ever noticed a patch, you know. So. Yeah,
0: I would be interested, and it didn't grow in Arizona either. Even though there's some overlap, like there's a lot, you know, there's some things that are the similar from Southern California to Arizona. But jasmine must need more water because you don't yeah. really smell it in Arizona. So when we moved back, I was like, oh my gosh, this smells like home, and <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay, so let's talk about Easter. Yeah, um, and I can go first because I yeah, think I put first. you on the spot. Um, so let's just talk about kind of what Easter looks like in our house, or if you have traditions. Um, and I think for us, each one. Is a little different. We have had Easter's with fam- like with extended family. We've had Easter's where we traveled. Again, when it falls over spring break, sometimes we might be traveling. Um, we do love to dye eggs, like just the traditional way. I know you're going to talk about that too. And so we usually do that probably a week or two before. And if you guys have little tiny kids and think that dyeing Easter eggs sounds like a holy nightmare, I'll just tell you it gets better. Like everyone in yeah. my house can manage their own little dipper. Yeah, you know, not get dye everywhere. So um, that's kind of fun. We also have a tradition to make a lamb cake. Megan, I put a picture in the It's so cute. cute? So Brian grew up with this tradition and it is a is not a cake made of lamb. It is a (laughs) cake shaped like a
1: lamb. If you could make a cake shaped like a lamb out of lamb, there'd be something really creepy about be, that. Well, yeah, it would
0: be very literal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Brian grew up with his grandma making a molded. So it's a molded cake pan, and I will link it up in the show notes. You can get it on Amazon. It's it's not expensive, but they do sell out this time of year because I remember I would always try and order like two weeks before Easter, and they're out. You can't get them. But if you order any other time of year, they're Easily easy to get. And it looks like a little lamb kind of sitting down and it's like a 3D cake pan. So um I think what was fun is we really had to figure out it's kind of complicated to get the cake to really fill the mold and then to get it out without the head falling off. And kind of feels like a science experiment. You can use regular cake mix, or I think pound cake actually works really well because it's a little more dense. And then you can put frosting and decorate it, and it looks like a little Easter lamb. And so that was special because, because my husband grew up with that. And even when I was first dating him, we'd go to his grandma's and there would be a lamb cake at Easter. And It had never been in my family. Um, and then when my kids were little, we started doing it. So that's really fun. Um, in terms of Easter itself, we, we don't really celebrate religiously. We do some baskets and eggs, but like I said, every year has been a little different if we do a brunch, if we're with family. So, um, yeah, it's usually good weather. How about you?
1: Well, I, I will also say that Easter is one of those holidays that seems kind of like it's just out there hanging out by itself like it's not really you you can't predict it necessarily it's not like christmas that always falls in the same day
0: way way all over the place
1: and it's not really tied to another holiday like i always feel like thanksgiving is like the kickoff of christmas season so like those two things are kind of like bookends of a whole season and for me like easter has always felt like it's just kind of dangling out there so like you we we've done it differently like sometimes a few times not a lot but we've been traveling or we've visited family we've had family at our house on, on Easter. Like we've just done it a lot of different ways. Um, so there's not like, I would say the last couple of years have been more like just kind of samey samey only because, you know, after the divorce, like we're, it's already complicated enough to try to make things fit two families. Like yeah. adding another family or travel would just be really hard. So the things that are always the same, we always die eggs. Um, it has definitely become more phoned in, much like carving pumpkins. The older yeah. the kids get, the the less, I mean, the easier it gets. But then there's like that butter zone where they're both interested and it's easier. And then there becomes the the part where they're not really even that interested. Right. So this year, I think we might try like a diff, some more difficult techniques, like the stuff you see in like Martha Stewart Living yeah, Magazine and stuff. Claire because is so she would love that. Yeah, she's super artsy. And now she's like skilled mm-hmm. and she would probably think it was fun. And also I'd have way more patience with yeah. her than I would never have done that. Well, I take that back when Clara, when I was pregnant with Clara. So I had little kids, um, Jenna and I did the thing where we blow the yolk out of eggs.
0: Oh yes. I've done and that. And then mm-hmm. paint
1: them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a to do. We basically made it like a whole day event mm-hmm. and it was pretty fun. But like I did that like once. I yeah. think every other year it was the pause mm-hmm. kit with nothing wrong.
0: Nothing wrong with a little, nothing classic, wrong with pause a little classic
1: pause and you'd get them at Aldi for like 99 yep. cents. So, um, yeah. And I will say, like, when my kids were littler, historically, Easter was a church day for us. And that's definitely changed, especially in the last few years because of all the, I guess, the holiday. Um, yeah, like just like all the complication. But it did kind of occur to me, like, I really like Easter services. And, and one of the benefits of divorce, the way we're doing it, at least. Yeah. I know it's not like this in every family, but we really keep things loose. Like, we kind of figure out every holiday as we go. So I could kind of arrange a holiday to accommodate, like, what I want to do. yeah. <laughs> So if I want to go to church alone, I could do that. Or I could just take one or two kids or yeah. like whatever. As long as I can work it out with John, like there's really no reason I couldn't in- have the best of both worlds and get to do like what I want to do plus stuff with the kids. So I don't know. I'm thinking on that now. I haven't really nailed on a plan yet, but it is getting pretty close, huh? Yeah. It um.
0: Is. Yeah. Although we have more time this year because it's late.
1: It's April That's 21st, true. I believe. That's true. We have a few more weeks. And then, you know, we always hide baskets. So all the kids have to. And I'm always amazed at how terrible they are at finding their baskets. I'm like, seriously, you guys, like, how hard can it really be to find? Like, there's not that many places that they could be hidden, but the kids always have a hard time. Maybe and because then I, it's
0: so early in the morning or they've just woken up. I think they, they
1: just. Yeah, I just think that they like we put them in places like um, hang under a coat on the coat rack. Oh, that's One's in, clever. Like, in the shower, like. I just feel like there's there always some place that should be really easy to find. Yeah. And it still takes way longer than it should. And we also hide little wrapped chocolate eggs. And and months later, we're still finding wrapped yeah. chocolate eggs. Um, But, you know, the baskets like typically have kind of classic stuff like silly putty and yo-yos and yeah jelly beans. And then if we ha- if we happen to be home and have dinner, it's typically like ham, scalloped potatoes, deviled eggs, stuff like that. Yeah. But I, I don't know how this year is going to go. Like I really haven't planned it out yet.
0: Yeah, it's fun to think about. I I, I realize I think because I have no set expectations about Easter, it it yeah. ends up being fun and festive, yeah. and the weather's usually good for us. And okay, very quickly, do you like peeps and do you like Cadbury eggs?
1: No, and no. less. <laughs> I used to love Cadbury eggs, but last time I ate one, I like it made my tongue go numb. It is. It was so, so sweet. sweet. Do you think
0: it's even gotten sweeter? Yes, sweet. I think so. I, I almost feel like they've changed the recipe.
1: So something about that yolky sugary filling just grosses me out I do like the way the chocolate tastes because mm-hmm. I like that I like the snap of a mm-hmm. of a hollow mm-hmm. chocolate item but no
0: okay so I I would say yes and yes but at the older I get the we're talking about very small doses I don't think I could eat a whole Cadbury egg I think I would get the same numb tongue yeah but I like <laughs> I like in theory and I, they do have caramel ones too which are good but the filling is so so sweet Yeah, I I still kind of like them. I just would eat literally one per year probably. And I like Peeps. Fresh Peeps that are not stale, I will Mm. eat. I know many people have strong feelings about that. I also (laughs) love peanut butter M&M's, which are available all year. But for some reason, they come out in Easter colors and it makes me want to buy them. I don't know why. I know it's marketing. Well,
1: I agree. I believe that M&M's taste better in pastel. All right. You, you heard it. Do. You
0: hear, You heard it here, people on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question: Are there any um, spring or Easter traditions that either you'd like to start fresh or maybe get back to if, that you haven't done in a while? Um, and I can so, go first, if, or oh, go whatever. Ahead. Yeah, go. Ahead. Mine, mine's short. I really like the idea of Earth Day. I feel like they started making Earth Day a thing when I was a kid. Maybe it's yep. April twentieth, I think. Um, and isn't it?
1: Doesn't it fall right at? Doesn't it fall right after or the? Like right before Easter this year? So this year, yes, that would okay. be true.
0: But as yep. Easter moves around, I don't think Earth Day does. I think no, it's right. like April 20th. It's and, 420. I think yes, exactly. And um I where I am, I feel like there's always really cool activities that you can do with kids, like a street fair or some kind of a festival. I never get it together to do anything for Earth Day. And I just feel like it's a it's a simple thing. Not that we'd go all out and do a million crafts or anything, but it's something I feel like I'd like to find a way to incorporate and I just never have, but you know, it's never too late. Maybe this I like will be that
1: here. um, you know, you'd have to go to a street fair then.
0: I know, Well no, yeah, that's, that's probably not thing. gonna happen. That thing. was a theoretical example, not something I your, would actually do.
1: You should put on your own backyard um like Earth Day celebration, but then don't invite anybody. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, and then I could say that I did it. Yeah exactly. Take uh, pictures.
1: How about you? Uh, so I already mentioned church for Easter. I'm working on that. Um but my my absolute favorite flower is the lilac. Oh, and yeah. Here they are gone. Like they come and they bloom and they smell amazing. And then they're gone. And I'm always bummed because it feels like I just miss them. Like, because you kind of have to go out of your way. Like there are a lot of alleys. I've noticed like a lot of people have like, I've never lived anywhere
0: where there are lilacs. I don't think maybe in Illinois, uh, but not where I was living.
1: Yeah. Well, they're They're not always easy to find. And so I kind of really want to be intentional, almost like taking lilac hunting walks. Like, 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 kind of like christmas lights like scouting where they are and then purposely going and walking past and if someone's in the yard maybe asking if i could steal one and if they're in the alley i will just take one because like no one like those trees don't really seem to belong to anybody they're just it's weird how often i'll be walking down an alley and there's just a random lilac tree that doesn't seem to actually belong to any i know it actually does but can you like if you clipped
0: one uh could you put it in a vase do they stay like well they feel so delicate
1: so like I would, groupie. they don't, they don't have much of a stem typically. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. So what I kind of do is kind of group them in a cut, like in a glass. Mm-hmm. Like I might have two kind of stuffed in like a mug or like a, or even laying in a bowl sometimes. Yeah. They don't last very long, but I mean, they, they can, I have had them last for a while, but they don't, they right. typically don't. Right. Yeah. So um, I yeah, I want to be intentional about that. And th- just, in that kind of the way spring is around here, like, People just kind of wait it out sometimes. Like it's mm-hmm. the, just the preamble to summer. Yeah. But there's so many things I love. Like I love the smell of mud. And yeah. I love, like, have we talked about the vest situation? <laughs> I
0: don't know if we did a full discussion on the podcast. We've talked about it off the podcast. No, yes. we have. We've definitely talked about it. Like so I can wear a that, like, vest all year, like practically all year. It's such a California <laughs> thing. And you can. And I have
1: a vest that I get to wear like once and then it's over. But if I really paid attention, I could find more guest vest weather. Um, and I don't always feel like I'm prepared to enjoy spring the way it should be like, where's my rain jacket? Like, where's my galoshes? Yeah. Do I even have galoshes? Like, I would just like to be that's probably the reason I want to get my closets all put together is so that when there's a whatever the day is, I can grab whatever the gear I need and yeah. go enjoy it. Yeah,
0: I relate to that, even though our weather is very different, because it is a weird like we are just now starting to transition from not needing any kind of sweatshirt or jacket of any kind. And I'm like, oh, wait, like what? what do I, what do I wear? I I forget how to do this. (laughs) So even though my weather is not as extreme, it still is like, Oh, okay. What shoes? Like, I don't know if I feel like flip-flops yet, but definitely could go like slides or anyway, it
1: sneaks up on you. It does.
0: Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the mom hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, our place. In fact, you, me and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product,
1: Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR.
0: All right. Okay. So Megan, before we get to my conversation with Katie, it is officially April and I wanted to welcome our new patrons who joined our Patreon Woo-hoo! program last br- month. Br- br- Right? So welcome <laughs> to Megan, Carissa, Camille, Kaori, and Hannah. And then also Katie and Alex were already patrons, but upped their pledges this month. Woo-hoo. So they are now enjoying that whole back catalog of the bonus audio classes that we release once a quarter. So yes. if you guys are not familiar, Patreon is a way to support our show and get extra bonus content. You can check it out at patreon.com slash the mom hour. And we will of course link that up in the show notes, but thank you. Thank you to those who joined we're so excited to see you in the facebook group and have you part of the community so thank you thank you
1: thank you guys well we also want to mention that we've got a voices episode coming up on friday of this week with jess Leahy, who i don't know sarah you i feel like you are her unofficial i know spokesperson <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> she's like please stop
0: talking about me sarah
1: yeah. but we have it's kind of like a piggyback off the bonus content i did or the bonus episode i did um with amy joyce from the washington post uh, just a couple of weeks ago talking about that college admission scandal and everything else so we kind of piggyback off that and are talking about just kind of this idea of parent involvement and and how it starts how it can get kind of out of control pretty early on so you're gonna want definitely want to check that out
0: yeah that'll be great i love that i'm obsessed with jess Leahy, but you're the one who got to interview her is, well
1: if it had been you that you just already known everything so. i know I just
0: embarrassed myself
1: <laughs> um okay well megan this was
0: fun happy spring and happy spring. stick around guys here i am with katie Hey, guys, it's Sarah, and I am back here with Katie Addis. Hey, Katie. Hi, Sarah. So for those just joining, we are doing a books talk every couple of months, and today we're going to be
2: talking about what? What are we talking about? We are talking about spring, and spring has sprung, and so all things spring and Easter. Yeah, mostly picture books are the
0: ones I'm seeing stacked for us. Um, So to kind of build out your spring and Easter library for your kiddos.
2: And last time we had talked about opening up the segments each time by talking about what Sarah and I have been reading. Just a quick little update. Yeah. If we're not, even if we're not focusing on adult or mom books. So Sarah, you want to start us off? What have you been reading? Well,
0: I do want to report since we talked last My one of my goals was to read more fiction and I did start off 2019 reading a couple of great fiction books, but I am back now, in a little bit of a nonfiction kick, I am reading a book that I got for Christmas. It's a big, fat one. It's a little intimidating. It's called "She has her mother's Laugh: The Powers, Perversions, and Potential of Heredity." It's basically <gasps> about the history of how we culturally understand heredity. So, like, if I don't know if you know this, but like the whole like things being inherited and like genes and genetics is super new. like the the crazy things that people believed, even scientists believed about how traits were passed down from generation to generation. I mean, most of what we know is less than 100 years old or even way newer. So there's some crazy things that they thought or believed about heredity. And so it's mostly like a cultural cultural history of that. And it's good. But I will say that I got that book for Christmas and I am reading it because I am waiting for another book to come up at the library and that I'm super excited to read. And that is called Bad Blood Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. And it is the backstory <laughs> of Theranos. Are you familiar with the Elizabeth?
2: The backstory of Theranos. No, yeah. I am okay. not familiar with Theranos. Okay. So it's a whole scandal
0: that happened in real life in Silicon Valley a few years ago. Okay. And I'll, I'll shoot you. A, we, we don't have to explain the whole thing to our listeners, but the book is supposed to be fantastic. There's also an HBO documentary on the same subject and a podcast. Like basically, it's just been a few years now, so there's stuff on this everywhere. But Brian listened to the audiobook. Kelsey from The Girl Next Door recommended the book. And so that is what is up next for me in nonfiction. Okay, I have,
2: I have a quick follow-up question yeah. on your first title. Yeah. So is it accessible? Because I feel like a text like that, oh. the heredity text, could be yeah, kind of like, heady okay. and inaccessible. But is it?
0: I would say yes and no. I was kind of bored in the first, the parts that were really... Way back history, so it okay. went into some Darwinism stuff and Mendel and what they thought about, like what they thought about how species pass down traits from one to the next. And I am not a science or biology; it's not an interest of mine. Okay, where where it gets real interesting is when it starts to impact society and culture and the way people think about um, genetics and things like race and culture and um, disability, mental. Like the things they thought about mental illness or mental disability, it's really actually very, very dark and heartbreaking when you understand what they what they thought about yeah. kids born with a deformity, for example. Like
2: well, it's the whole nature versus nurture yep. conversation. Yeah, I was just reading an article about that actually. And and you're right. Like in the last forty years, yeah. there has been so much groundbreaking yeah. news so on that. Which- where
0: I am now is like post-World War Two. Um and so it is getting much more accessible. There will okay. be some science. I mean, okay. it, it's
2: definitely it's it, no Malcolm Gladwell. No, it's no tipping point.
0: No. But <laughs> I I can I, sometimes I can just be okay with that. Like I can oh, yeah. nerd out about something for a while. It's big though, you're looking at it. It's like 500
2: it, pages. It is very intimidating. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I will move on to my text. Yeah. So, I have been reading this book. I finished it. It's called The Enchanted Hour, and the author is Megan cox Gurdon. and I discovered the book from a wall street journal article and the article was entitled the power of reading picture books or something like that. Okay. And I was immediately just completely captivated by the article. And it just is essentially singing the praises of creating a, a reading ritual with mm-hmm. your children. Oh, Awesome. And the author is actually the New York times kid book, Reviewer, oh, okay, or she was. She was a career okay. book reviewer. Say the
0: title of the book again.
2: The Enchanted Hour. Okay, and the the subtitle is the miraculous power of reading aloud in the age of distraction. And I mean, I cannot even tell you the warm, cozy, fuzzy feelings that you that you get even from reading the prologue. Like I was teary-eyed. I want to read that. From That's reading like going on my list. Oh, it was so amazing. And and you'd think how can a book be expanded? about simply reading aloud to your children, but it delves into the cognitive benefit. I love all that stuff. Oh, it's so good. And, and then, but it's so touching because then it goes into the whole emotional benefit Mm -hmm. and that's where you get a little weepy. And, and one thing that I love, maybe we'll talk about it in when Sarah and I talk about our favorite parenting books, Mm -hmm. because I feel like it could be pinned as a parenting book. Yeah. Totally.
0: I count all of that. Like anytime I'm reading something like that, I, consider that sort of parenting.
2: Yes. Yes. But one of the things that I just love so much, if reading isn't as much of a ritual as you would like it to be because you're trying to find time or maybe you don't have the endurance because you're in early childhood, the weeds and it's hard. Anyway, she focuses on stealing the tiny moments that you have throughout your day Mm -hmm. as opportunities to read. Mm -hmm. So like Drive through or car mm-hmm. is the perfect opportunity. School pickup, waiting for one mm-hmm. kid at sports, mm-hmm. waiting for another kid at an activity, and you're in the waiting room mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, just always having a book handy, mm-hmm. and it, I'm telling you guys, it is the best book. It is so good, and the titles you walk away. Okay, so she has specific recommendations for so me. I, yes, so I started a Pinterest board on books to read with Anna Lee and Luke. Nice, and they're all collections from that nice. book from this book.
0: Awesome. Oh, that's a great one.
2: Yeah. Okay. Great. So should we move into spring books? We kind of yeah. talked a long time about our that's, own.
0: That's all right. It's good to say what we're reading. Do you want me to go first with something?
2: Yeah, you go first. Okay. We'll trade off.
0: All right. So my first one is a spring book, not Easter, although it does have a big bunny on the cover. So it definitely overlaps. We keep this book out year round though. And it, I love it because I'm a sucker for vintage illustrations. So this, the author is Margaret Wise Brown of Goodnight Moon. But the oh. illustrator is Garth Williams of most notably like Charlotte's Web, the Little House series, those chapter book series. He's, oh. the, I mean, he he's a super prolific children's illustrator. Um, but those are where um, I think at least it comes to mind for me. So all the Charlotte's Web illustrations are Garth Williams. And it is really, really simple. It, the illustrations look super vintage. It's just about a bunny trying to find a home. And so he goes around and he tries to figure out where all the other animals' homes are. And he figures, like, he can't live in a nest because he'd fall out. And that's where the baby birds live. And he can't live in the swamp with the frog because he would drown. And it's, I mean, it is it, mostly it's nostalgia. It's, it just feels very vintage. The copy that I have is a big little golden book. So it's that little golden book series. But the one I have is not the little tiny ones. Um, And it's called Home for a Bunny by Margaret Wise-Brown and the illustrations by Garth Williams.
2: Okay. I have to comment on the illustrations really quickly because the illustrator, you said he's the same for Charlotte's Web. Yes. the Charlotte's Web illustrations, if you can recall, those are, you know, kind of the pencil sketch. Yes. So his mm-hmm. range of, I mean, because this looks different than that.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. These are more full color illustrations. And when he illustrates the Little House series in Charlotte's
2: Web, it's, those are chapter books. So it's you're usually seeing it small, like pencil sketch. I'm just impressed by his range and, and ability. Yeah. I mean, that to me seems yeah. very skilled. Yeah. I've read this
0: to um, first and second graders in my role as the school librarian. Last week, and I thought maybe these kids like they're so savvy. They all read like Captain Underpants and comic books, and like they're not gonna like this such a simple little story about a bunny. It's not even terribly realistic. I mean, the bunny talks, and he kind of stands up on his hind legs. But some of the illustrations are realistic. It shows the nature of spring and all that. And they're they loved it. Yeah. they got to the end, and the the bunny finally finds a home with another bunny. Oh. And like it was literally like all, like thirty second graders are like.
2: Oh, <laughs> like it's so it's just sometimes the simple is still accessible to kids. Absolutely. And that made me so happy. Yeah. OK, well, um, I'm going to start with actually a stack and I'm just going to try and blow through the titles as quickly as possible. But this first stack is kind of baby geared, baby toddler, early preschool. I mean, my daughter still loves interactive books like this, too. Right. So. Normally, I wouldn't talk about such mainstream commercial books, you know, ones that you could find walking down Target's aisles or something. But these Lift the Flat books are really so good. Yeah, and if the kids like them, then... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to start with Clifford's First Easter. So what I have to say about this book is that from kind of a durability standpoint, they're kind of semi durable. Uh, But I, what I love about the flaps are they're kind of unusual and fun for object identification. Like some of the flaps are multiple flaps per page, which is fun. And we have that one actually, or did, I think I passed it on. Yeah. Like little milk carton flap that you can lift little egg carton flap. So and, you know, Clifford's hiding behind some of the flaps and other flaps have other spring or Easter objects behind them. And this is kind of like, uh, I think, an Easter egg hunt along with... Wait, is not it an Easter egg hunt? Maybe it's not an Easter egg hunt. Uh, no, it's just kind of a, a hide-and-go-seek type of book, this first one. cute. The second one is called Easter Bugs. This is a springtime pop-up by David Carter. He has an entire series of... Bug, Lift the Flap interactive books. So if you're interested or if you like this title, definitely check out the other bug books. So this is kind of a triple threat in terms of interactive elements. There's pop-up, touch and feel, and lift the flap. And as you know, with like pop-up books, there's a little more fragility to them. So you got to watch out for destructive hands. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, now the illustrations, I'm not, I have to be honest. I'm not Im- there. I don't love them. They're a little cheesy cartoony, but my kids love these books. So let me just show Sarah the kid's favorite flap, which is, let's see. It is. Oh, okay. So the jeweled egg, there's oh. a slippery pink Easter worm that you pull out and there's like a little bit of tension. So it kind of like springs oh, back in Cute. and they just, they love it so much. So then, the very last page is kind of a recap oh, of what are pop up, yeah. yeah. What are all the little? It's just a recap of all the colorful Easter bugs that they met. So, any boy man, I mean, any bug maniac. This definitely is a great story. Last one, Happy Easter, Biscuit. So this is an egg hunt through flaps okay. alongside Biscuit the dog. So it's Happy Easter, Biscuit. And just the the flaps are really charming and yeah. adorable. We have the Valentine, we have Happy Valentine's Day Biscuit. Okay. And, and are the, all biscuit books lift the flap?
0: I think no, because I think biscuits like his own like line. They have like early readers, but the Valentine one we have is that exact one, but Valentine and it is okay. flaps really cute. Okay. Yeah. Especially so if that, you have a puppy lover. Like yes. Biscuit's so cute. Yeah,
2: so cute. So that completes my first stack.
0: All right. Well, I am going to talk about not just my favorite Easter book of all time, but like quite possibly in the top five of my favorite children's books of all time. And Megan and I talked about this. You reminded me. When did we talk about it? Last year this time?
2: So it was in the magical creatures oh, episode. Oh, okay. Which is, was about a year ago. That is or maybe of, the part two of that. Yeah, kind that's of, a
0: great episode. It's all about how we handle all magical creatures in our house from tooth fairies to Easter bunnies, et cetera. Um, but this book is called The Country Bunny and the Little Gold Shoes. It's from the 1930s. It's by DuBose Hayward. It's long for a picture book read aloud. It almost, you can almost read the first half or the second half. It's almost like in two parts. So depending on the age of the kid you're reading to, you could break it up. Um, It is a picture book, but it's it's long. Um, It is about a little mother cottontail bunny who has a bunch of babies and therefore is underestimated on whether she could possibly become the next Easter bunny. Katie and I were talking before we started recording and I'm sure I said in that past episode that it's like basically an allegory for modern working moms or moms who want to get back to themselves. It is like, it's really honestly a book for moms, but it is a children's book. It's so good. And I love the illustration so much. I actually remember as a kid and of course didn't have the appreciation for this like motherhood allegory, but the pictures of the baby bunnies... Um, but basically she has a whole bunch of babies and everybody tells her, well, your career's over. You got to stay home and take care of all those babies, except twister twist alert. She raises them all up to be super self-sufficient, independent (laughs) little bunnies (laughs) right? and proves that she can, in fact, go out with the big jackrabbits and the fancy bunnies and be one of the Easter bunnies. It is
2: so good. I guess that's all I'll say about it. But if you don't know this book, you have to go get it just for yourself. As a mom. Totally. I mean, this little mother cottontail as a side comment has been getting some help, I believe, from the Mom Hour podcast because (laughs) the way she cultivates just independence in her children to be so self-sufficient is amazing. And then she can go and spend time on herself and her own passions. I know. I can't believe she didn't contribute to the 200 (laughs) celebration of Megan and Sarah. Like, thank you, Uh, Megan and Sarah, for allowing me uh, to be the Easter bunny. Oh my gosh. So I one time went on a deep dive and did Google
0: this and it has been written about as almost like a feminist allegory, like a feminist tale from the 1930s um, about women, but also like I enjoyed it my whole growing up life without having any appreciation for any of that. So right. it, at its core, it's also a really sweet Easter story. Totally. Um, it was so
2: ahead of its time though, in that, it was, in that respect.
0: It was. It was written in the thirties. Um, so I, w- Megan wasn't familiar. When I told her about it, she wasn't familiar. I wasn't either until okay, I stumbled upon so it. So no. I thought it was like a an Easter, I almost said Christmas. <laughs> I thought it was an Easter classic, but I think it's one of those that some of you out there will know exactly what I'm talking about and others will never have heard of it so yeah let us know it is the country bunny and the little gold shoes and it's by DuBose Hayward you can find it in any major retailer this time of year I mean it's 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 well known enough that it always makes its way to the to the shelves at Barnes or wherever so yeah
2: well okay I just have to say that the version I brought because I brought the same book but um my version actually has a free audio book oh, nice. that I can access, I guess, digitally. I have not accessed it yet, but if you can find a version, yeah. there is one that has an audio book. And you'll miss companion. the picture of all the 21 babies. In oh, you need one to be, bassinet. you need to be looking
0: at the pictures while you <laughs> And then the read. one where they're all in little beds. I don't
2: know. <laughs> it's all so right. cute. All right. My next stack is all bunny themed. So this is a stack of three and the first two are kind of more young, baby-oriented, really sweet, sweet, kind of tender tales. And then the last one is is more preschool-oriented. So the first one is called the Itsy Bitsy Bunny, and it is interactive if you so choose because you can sing along to the melody of Itsy Bitsy Spider. Nice. But it's the Itsy Bitsy Bunny, so it's just a cute, fun one. The next one I absolutely love the illustration. Oh, I'm liking it. I'm seeing it across the table. Yeah, it's called Bunny Roo. Oh, I that's love Super you. Cute. It's by Melissa Marr, illustrated by Tegan White. And this illustrator is so talented. She illustrates, if you're familiar with this series called the Barefoot Critter series, mm. which is another board book series. I mean, kind of whimsical. Yeah. Uh, whimsical animal it has like that Etsy shop look exactly <laughs> like exactly. modern but vintage looking yeah like, very yeah artisan illustration artisan but, yeah but the colors inside even oh, are just so, so pretty color styled like you could take out one of these pictures and yeah display it yeah. in a frame I mean just so beautiful but the story is just as charming as the illustrations and it's a mom narrator who's talking to her baby and each page the mom and the baby become a different animal pair. So Mm -hmm. she'll say like, oh, I saw you hopping along and I thought you were a little kangaroo. So I put you in my pouch. Okay. And then the very, the very end of the story is... Well, that's almost like
0: Runaway Bunny a little bit, like where they keep kind of transforming into different... Yeah. You know, parent-child pairs. Yes,
2: exactly. And visiting the different animal habitats. So it's fun for animal identification and learning too. So then it ends with the human mom and the human baby in a little garden. So cute. The landscape. It's very, very cute. And I want to get that of a, for my
0: nieces. Oh, perfect. Niece and
2: niece to be. Yeah. Nice. It's a for great, you. it's a great little first Easter. Yeah. Snuggle before bed. Yeah. Book. Okay. And then the last one, I found this, I've mentioned her before, the blogger everyday reading. She's so great with her book recommendation. She's got the four little girls. I think I found this on her page. And this book is called The Little Rabbit. It's by Nicola or Nicola, I think Nicola Killen. And she's got another book that Sarah mentioned called The Little Reindeer. And it's the same concept. So it's got little cute cutouts and it's kind of got a touch of velveteen rabbit in it, in that this child who's dressed up in a bunny suit actually has a little stuffed rabbit and the rabbit becomes. Uh, or becomes alive, and they go on a little hunt through the woods. And so the little cutouts are little elements of the wood landscape, so like very right, springy too, very like, springy, yeah, so cute. And then, at the end of the little journey, she wonders if that was just part of her imagination or if the bunny really did become alive. And in the very end, the the little stuffed rabbit twitches and then she knows that it was a true so cute
0: yeah those illustrate people these these ladies are on their game with these illustrations these are beautiful
2: so that's my bunny stack
0: okay um all right well i'll just do one more and this is totally i'm using a broader interpretation of easter and spring because again this is like nowhere does it say explicitly spring but I'm going to come back to vintage picture books, people with make way for ducklings. I love that you included this one. Um, I mean, again, this is just, so we have a big hardcover version of make way for ducklings and there's no color to the illustrations. Um, The story, if you're not familiar, is just a mother and father duckling or a male and female duckling looking for a place to have their babies. And then they have their babies and they've got to keep them safe. And I just feel like um, spring and you know, baby ducks is like go hand in hand. This is like a collector. To me, this is like a collector's picture book, but we have also read it a million times over the years. So it's not just pretty for the shelf. Um, it's so great. So the author and illustrator is Robert McCloskey. If you are a Robert McCloskey fan, so he has blueberries for Sal, um, which I would also kind of put in the springtime, you know, category. Um, and then we also have one of his called one morning in Maine. Have you ever oh, seen that book? Yes, yes. That I was not familiar with as a kid. We got it as, um, when my kids were little and all of them, the way he illustrates nature and people together. I think that would be like the overarching theme is kind of nature and humans interacting together. Just really, I love it. So make way for ducklings, Robert McCloskey.
2: So, okay. I love that you said that you have the collective the collectible edition because sometimes i see like a paperback yeah. edition or something and i'm wondering sometimes should i be buying the hardback version in certain texts like i mean
0: i think it's fine like with blueberries for Sal, for example we have the little flimsy paperback and i don't know why it ended yeah. up that way but we still read it the illustrations are still beautiful one morning in maine we have the big one like this so i think it's more of a gift thing i think i was gifted the really nice ones
2: and yeah and the collectibles i mean they just are going to be they're, they're going to have more time you know, they're going to. Yes, the pages be are thicker standing. even. I yeah. still
0: get rid of the paper covers. Have we talked about that? Oh, right. the, the, the actual lead, jacket, the book, the book lead, jacket, the book jacket. Yeah. So if a book jacket has the same, I'm probably going to get hate mail about this. No, just kidding. If the book jacket has the exact same image on the paper f- flappy book jacket as the hardcover underneath. Yeah. I throw it away, which they I almost do too. always do anymore I in do the too. old days. They didn't. So like what you would have underneath would be plain, right? Like the plain cardboard right. or kind of cloth covered cardboard. Yeah. In which case I'm, you know, at this stage of my kids' lives, maybe I would try and hold on to that. But when yeah. I had toddlers and preschoolers, no. I, I don't, I wouldn't even have that book out. There's no, no jackets don't survive. No, they don't. So I throw the, all of them away. I, I do, do too. Um, so this would have had one, but the, but the illustration on the cover is the same as what was ever on the paper book jacket. So.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, perfect segue into, well, your last book is a perfect segue into just an offhand mention, which is just all of the Beatrix Potter book. Yes. Which maybe isn't everybody's first pick because for for younger kids because the language is pretty complex. And yeah. It's kind so- of got some like even... Weird word choice for now. Yeah, and it's it's,
0: like like, so British that like you don't even know what they're saying half the time. I think some are easier than others. I agree. Like some are some are more
2: accessible. Yeah. And actually, I bought the audio version to to have a or to be reading aloud as we're looking Mm -hmm. at the pictures, which is oh, when it was on sale, it was like a dollar fifty for the whole collection or something. So anyway, that was just an offhand mention. Do you have a favorite of the? Yes. Okay. I love this one, which is called I The love Tale too of Two Bad Mice. Too Bad Mice. Too. What did you did you love? What did you love about it? I love the fact that it's the dollhouse and yeah. everything's miniature. Yeah. It's kind of like a dollhouse survival thing. Yes. Like what they ate and, and everything is so beautiful, like the delicacy. Yeah. I guess not survival. They yeah. were kind of living large in yeah. that dollhouse. No, and I, I
0: love that. That's one of my favorite Beatrix Potter ones, too. Yeah, it was yeah. so
2: fun. Okay, so the last actual text that I'm going to talk about is called The Story of Easter. And so if you're looking for a child-friendly way to give the story of Easter from the religious perspective, this woman, Patricia Pingree, and all the spelling will be up at the website, but she actually does child-friendly, a whole whole child-friendly nonfiction series on all holidays. So the first time I discovered her, I think was for 4th of July, she had a text called The Story of the Star-Spangled Banner. And she has one for the story of Easter. So I actually have not read this one, but I just, I read some reviews and knowing some of her other texts from the series, I know that she does such a great job making tough stories, very Mm child-friendly and accessible. So it doesn't go into graphic details that you don't want young kids knowing about yet. And... So that is called The Story of Easter. Cool. Um, so just as a
0: reminder, every time Katie and I have a segment like this, we put together a blog post that stands alone at the themomhour.com. The easiest way to get to it is the show notes for this episode. This is episode 202. And just like always, you're going to go to themomhour.com and find the show notes for episode 202. But in there, we will link out to a full book list. And sometimes we have titles we didn't have time to cover today that we'll put in there um, and links and pictures of all, like cover images of all of these books. So you guys are going to want to check that out at
2: themomhour.com.
0: Katie, anything
2: else before we... We usually always do an Instagram post too. Yes. And people Mm -hmm. have been loving that. We have been loving that because that's when you guys chime in mostly of your own recommendations and your own personal favorites and loves from childhood and parenthood and everything. Yeah. While
0: we were talking, I thought of like a whole bunch of other Easter or bunny themed books that I've loved over the years. Oh, you'll have to to add them to the blog post. Yeah. So, again, um, check us out on Instagram or at the mom hour or at the Look for the show notes and that'll lead you to the blog
2: post. All right. Thanks, Keith. Good. Bye, Sarah. Bye,
1: everybody. The mom hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance.
0: Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data.
1: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, -K E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%.
0: The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone.